Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Good morning, guys. We have to be careful when we sing songs like Holy Spirit Come, because he wants to come. And when he comes, he brings heaven, which is literally saying the real estate in heaven and the way it works in heaven, we want it to happen here. So I'm already to start preaching, but before I do, I want to do a little intro of myself. I just, who, who senses the Holy Spirit this morning? Anybody says the Holy Spirit? I love uh, I just loved being part of worship with you guys. So let me do a quick little intro of myself so we can get to know each other a little bit. I am absolutely honored to be here. Um, I'm actually on, uh, extremely honored to be here. Uh, so first, real quick, my name is Rolando Gonzalez. Um, and I've got a couple of photos. I, I hope they put it up so you can kind of meet my family here. Um, I've been uh, in ministry, really full-time ministry since the age of 21. And I'll let you guess by the gray maybe how old I am today, but it's a lot, lot older than being 21 years old. Uh, and so I, uh, I'll be, I'll be uh, celebrating 21 years of marriage this September. Come on, Jesus. Um, and so my wife, usually we, we go together all the time everywhere, but uh, she is unable to be here today. Uh, she has to work uh, and do the thing that she feels called to do. And so she told me to tell you guys hello. And so um, if you get the photo up, that's great. So you can at least see uh, who she is. And then I've got two kids. I've got a 17-year-old son who I brought with me. He's right over there. Wave at me, Joel. That's my boy, 17. Um, he's 6'1", and I'm considered tall in my family. And so I don't know what happened, uh, but he exploded. So you guys pray. If you want to know how to pray for me, help us to pray about where he's going to go to college. He's a, a top soccer player here in the city. And so... Uh, yeah, he's my, yeah. I don't. I'm. I am not ashamed to say that. That's my retirement plan sitting over there. And so we need that to work out. Come on, Jesus. For those of you who've ever been in ministry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, my daughter's 15 years old, and she is my princess. Uh, I, I can tell my son no pretty easily all the time. No, 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 no. But my daughter's 15. She just knows how to pull my heartstrings, and so it's very difficult to tell her no. So she's my ballet dancer and a little bit more quiet, but just super duper goofy. Uh, and so married, got two kids, been in uh, ministry, like I said, since the age of 21. Uh, as I'm here, I can relate, uh, I can relate with the setup and teardown of church. Um, I, I was in youth ministry at a, at a mega church for about 18 years, and I went to go plant a church where we set up and tear down. Uh, we did that for seven years, and through a lot of what God has been doing in my life, we merged with a number of different churches to be at the church I am right now called Gate City Church, uh, and that's a home to you guys. We're family together, so if you're ever in our neck of the woods up in that Lawrenceville area, we invite you to stop by uh, at Gate City Church. We've got something called the House of Prayer, 24-7 prayer. We uh, Prayer, if you're like, what, what do you, why do you guys pray 24-7? There's a number of different facets to that, but the main thing is called intimacy. God wants to be near his people. Can I get an amen? And so uh, that is, a, that is a, a call, a value that we believe God has called us to. So I used to say our prayer room was like Waffle House and it never closes. But I can't say that anymore because Waffle House closed during COVID. Uh, but the prayer room continued to stay open for people to come and engage. And so uh, that's where I am right now and uh, where we are with our family. We merged our church into it. So. Um, I, 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 um, I'm like really, I'm way more excited than I'm showing you this morning. I'll tell you why. I'm going to share a quick story. We'll pray, and then I'm going to get into the, in the Bible. 
Um, and I've got a very simple message, but I hope that it actually connects with you and, and touches your heart in a real deep way. So you can go ahead and turn your Bibles or your phone apps or Bible apps to John 17 and just hold that marker. But uh, I'm going to show you just a quick little prophetic story on how I connected with Scott Free. Anybody here love Scott and Tammy Free? Those guys are amazing. Those guys, so incredible, incredible people. So when I was at my, um, when I was going to transition out of working in youth ministry, some, I don't even know, I'm not very good at math, 10 to 12 years ago into planning the church, I had a dream. Um, I, uh, hopefully, you know, some of you had dreams from God, but I'm not saying I had a dream when I was, I was awake, but I was actually asleep and I had a dream and I was in a warehouse and I was dressed with like, like a collar shirt and khaki pants and, and uh, you know, dress shoes, but I was on stage at this warehouse and don't laugh at me because I cannot rap. The only rapping I can do is Christmas presents and even then that's not very good. But I get up on stage and um, I grab the microphone and I begin to rap a phrase. I begin to like, it, I, I hear the music in my dream, I begin to rap this thing. And in my dream, I'm rapping, God send revival, we won't give up our Bibles. That's the most, in, that's, that's the greatest lyric I've ever said in the context of hip-hop was in a dream. And it was God giving it to me. And in that dream, uh, I, had, I met somebody, and the next day, I met the person that was in the dream. And his name is Scott Free. And so, uh, I, as, I, as I have stayed connected with Scott over the years... I, uh, through, all, through ministry, uh, I, I can't tell you because I think about that dream and how, uh, how uh, friendships that we've worked together through one race, uh, our church was involved in that, um, you know, and, and Scott and his guys, you guys were involved in that. So over the years, we've had just a real special relationship and I'm just like so giddy, excited to be here sharing at, uh, at your church this morning. So I, I'm reminded of that day because God knows what he's doing. You know, sometimes you get a dream from God, it's not for the next day. It could be for the next decade. Can I get an amen? All right, so I, when I preach, I love amens. I love them. If you want to stand up and turn around and spin, that's okay with me. I, 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 I love it. I love it if you speak back to me. That's totally fine. So let's, let's pray together, and uh, we're going to dive into this message this morning. And so, Father, we come before you right now as broken vessels being made whole by the grace that you give. Over the next few moments, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, I actually am asking that you would help me to deliver this word, to deliver it with clarity. And God, my desire this morning is if that I say anything out of my own flesh, let us forget that. But Lord, anything that you would share to anybody's heart, let it come alive this morning. The most important thing over the next few moments that we've got together Holy Spirit, is that you yourself would do the work inside of every heart in the house. In Jesus' name. And everyone, let me hear you say amen this morning. Amen. amen. Um, so, in John 17 is what we're going to end today's message. And I'm going to just go ahead and say, I'll start with the altar call in the beginning. I'm going to call every person in this room into God's desire. And to his actual, eternal, jealous, fiery, burning desire. And I want to be as clear as I can this morning that there is a target on your back that God has put there. Because he desires not just a fraction of our lives, 
but he desires the wholeness of our lives, the wholeness of our hearts, and he is so full of grace and so full of love that when we miss the mark, even when we miss the mark, someone get ready to say amen, he will not give up pursuing what he wants the most. And so I called it God's desire, but if I was to add a bunch of adjectives in there, that's what I just said, God's burning, jealous, eternal, fiery love. And so there's this thing called desire, and all of us have different desires. There are things that you like that I don't like. There are things that I like that you don't like. So for me, my, uh, if, if, you're, if you're sitting out there trying to figure out where is this guy from, like what, what, what country is this dude from? Well, I, my mother is from Colombia, South America. And, yeah, any Colombians? Any Colombians? Let's go! <laughs> Colombia, and then my father is from Cuba. And they met here in Atlanta. And so I'm kind of like from two places. And then my wife, I always joke around, when I go speak at Spanish churches, she's black. And they're always thinking, is she Dominican? I go, no, she's Atlanta black. Because uh, that's where we met. And, and, and so our kids are just a whole mix of a bunch of different things. So I say when you take the SAT and they ask you what you are, literally just write other. It doesn't matter. Pick, pick whatever you want. And so as a Hispanic, if you've ever been to a Spanish person's house, a Latino's home, when they cook, they use this herb called cilantro. Anybody know what cilantro is? Don't wave. Don't even clap because I can't stand it. That's my point. See, I just ruined the whole sermon for some of you. I don't even know what happened. Like... Colombians put cilantro in everything, am I right? I mean, they'll put it in water. I mean, they'll put cilantro, they'll sprinkle everything. And Mexico sprinkles cilantro and everything. But that's not my desire. When we take mission trips, I have to be like, since I, when I was joining the mission trips, I couldn't do anything about it. When I began to lead mission trips, I would call the country ministry that we were going to and say, could your cooks please not use cilantro? Because I, can't, I don't know what it is about that herb. I, it, just, it just doesn't taste right to me. But for most people, they love cilantro in food. Most of the world loves cilantro, you know. Some of you see chipotle like God's gift to earth. And I look at it sort of like a do not enter, you know. And my point is desires are different. And what's interesting about desire is if you hone in into what your desire in life is, it can rearrange not only your own life, but it can rearrange the environment that you're in and all those who are around you just by you pursuing your desire. And so I grew up in a church environment that did not speak much about desire being a good thing. I grew up in a church where the, the, when the word desire was spoken on, it was referenced more towards negative things. Like you want to do this, you need sacrifice. You want to enjoy this, no sacrifice. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized that God put actual desires in us, and if God puts something inside of you, then it is a good thing. There's, there's reasons why you like what you like, and that's okay. There are reasons why you pursue the things that you pursue, and that's okay. Now here comes the enemy though, and he takes a desire that God has given you, I mean, given me, and what happens is if we're not locked in with God, then a godly desire gets distorted. Are you with me? And if that desire gets distorted, then we find ourselves into what I call false, deep desires. I'll give you a silly example. Like, 
if you, if you want a car, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting a car. I'm full of faith this morning because my son, my 17-year-old son, drove me all the way here to Atlanta. So my faith is like at a 10 right now because we got here safely. There's nothing wrong with desiring a car, but if our, we're not locked in with God, then what happens is we get filled up with the type of car that we want, which isn't so bad, but if the type of car becomes our deepest desire, if the type of car we lie to ourselves, like I need to have this type of car or else I won't fulfill a deep desire that we all have like significance. All of us have a deep desire to be significant before God. And if your desire is distorted, then you look at a car and think that that's where I get my significance. Are you with me? And that messes up. There's nothing wrong with having a desire for relationships. All the single people say amen. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a desire to one day want to get married or to have children. It's, it's okay. But if we're not locked in with God, then the enemy comes and he starts throwing flashy relationships in front of us and it distorts our deep desire for relationships. And I can't, I bet, I can't tell you how many people I've sat down and, and counseled pre-marriage counseling and, and I don't know if, I don't know, like every, every time I sit down with someone in pre-marriage counseling and we, we start talking about like needs and if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your spouse cannot really meet your needs. If you get into a relationship hoping that your spouse is going to meet your needs, that's a distorted desire. Come on now, like, I, heard I heard you guys like the truth here. That's what happens. But you're supposed to be in a relationship, you're supposed to be in community, and your heart longs to be in relationship. When God created Adam, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created a woman, and the idea is here that God created the desire for companionship. And I've worked with teenagers for a long time, but it doesn't change when you become an adult, that sometimes we take that community relationship thing, it gets distorted, and we start running with the wrong crowd. We start hanging out with the wrong people, and our deep desire for relationship gets distorted into thinking, I must be around these people in order to find significance and it gets distorted and then we find ourselves jumping from one empty relationship to another to another and then saying what is going on well I'll tell you what's going on people cannot fulfill your deepest desire only God can come on somebody say amen and so you've got desires they're good and if we're not locked in with God, then what happens is it gets distorted. So, as we look at God, what is God's deep desire? And as I, if, I, if I get a little emotional with you this morning, I, don't forgive me, but just handle it, I guess. Because like, when you talk to a young person and you tell them, go chase the world and the world's ahead of you. And you talk about dreams, it's exciting. But when you start experiencing life, man, there's a lot of hurt out there. There's pain out there. And I've got to find myself regularly coming back to say, God, what is it burning in your heart? What is in there? Desires have a beginning at some point. So I'm kind of a technology guy. 
technology. That's to say that I like technology. I'm at the age now where I remember when cell phones were a suitcase. And it was the coolest thing to have a cell, like you, some of you are young people, you don't have a clue what this is, but cell phones back in the day were like this suitcase and this battery pack was about this size and if you could afford one, you plug that thing into your car and it would pretty much drain your car battery. But you could talk on the phone, it was so cool. And as technology started increasing, it turned into like the, the brick phone. And then we were all so cool, we had brick phones and then the brick, and then all of a sudden, like, we gotta get the brick phone, that was so designed. And then all of a sudden, one day somebody had the idea, let's take the brick phone and fold it. And it was the invention of the flip phone. Oh man, how cool was that? Oh man, that was the sweetest thing. And there was nothing like, nothing like a Star Trek 007 to put up, boom, boom, with that thumb, boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom. And as time went on, like all these cell phones were coming out, and we all wanted the next phone, and then the iPhone came out. And when that thing came out, I remember I was able to get one, and I just sat there and looked at it. And I'm like, what in the world? Like to you guys, for, to this generation, like no, no buttons is like, what, that's, that's normal. But I remember going, no buttons? How's that work? And that had one button on the first life, and I'm sitting there like, what in the world? This is amazing, just mesmerized by that. But as technology goes, then the next thing comes out, and then you want that thing, and then you want that thing. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Our desires have a beginning, and our desires change. What about God's desire? God has no age. God has no beginning. God has, like, the, the, like we live in the constraints of time, and, and like we have an age, but God comes from eternity. It's like even hard to even grasp. What does that mean? How does that work? God is from eternity, so his desires have always been the same, and they've always been forever. His desires don't change. Like, what's burning in God's heart right now has been there a billion years in the past and a billion times years before that. Are you following? What, like, what's inside of him? And to think this way, that my desires can change from one food group to another, to one technology thing to another, from one thing to another. But God's desire, there is no greater powerful desire than God's desire. Are you with me? And so if, if I want to I just share a couple of points on how we can touch into that desire because it is my conviction that if you can connect to God's desire, it will change everything about you for the better, for God. It will change everything about you because when you connect with eternal desire, it makes all this stuff that we chase seem so meaningless compared to what's been around forever. Are you with me? And so uh, in the Bible, you know this story where the disciples, and in fact, out of everything that Jesus has ever done, I need, I need to keep close to the time because I'm a long-winded preacher. And by the way, I wasn't given a time when I first started, so I was going to go for about an hour and a half or so. But when Jesus was walking the earth, there was a lot of really neat things that Jesus did. Supernatural stuff, I mean, walking on water, healing the sick, calling dead people out of tombs. I mean, just, could you imagine being there and seeing all of those things? When Jesus spoke, when he preached, it says that people were just mesmerized by the words he used. How does this, how does this man speak like this? It was because he didn't prepare for a sermon. He was the sermon. 
Like he came from heaven going, this is what I do. Like you and I, we have to prepare for the message and prepare for music. He comes out ahead. This is the values I live in heaven right now. And so when he spoke, there was such depth and clarity and conviction and people would be like, whoa. Now he had a group of 12 disciples that followed him everywhere. And I don't know, I mean, out of all the things that Jesus did, out of everything that he performed miracles and preached to crowds and talked to like religious people and like all the amazing things, there was only one thing in which the disciples said, Jesus, could you teach us to pray like you pray? And it, which has to, has to trigger something in our minds to go, why didn't they say Jesus teaches how to walk on water? That'd be a pretty cool party trick. Why don't you teach us how to heal the sick? All those things are amazing. They said, Jesus, like, would you teach us how to pray like that? And it's my Rolando commentary that the reason they were so struck by his prayer is because Jesus was so connected to the Father's desire. So connected to God's heart that when Jesus prayed, it never, ever came across religious. It never came across contrived. It never came across like an effort. He was so connected to the Father's heart that they went, that's what I want. For a Jewish man, God had all of these amazing things that he did in the Old Testament, how to sacrifice and how to speak and how to walk, all, all of these things. Here comes Jesus talking to God. And so what he did, Jesus, all right, when you pray, pray like this. And you've heard this prayer. So think of it this way. When Jesus said pray like this, think of a professor at a university or a high school or at a training class teaching people whatever that thing is. In this case, he was teaching prayer. He said pray like this, our Father. In fact, when I could sit there and, and, and probably spend two or three weeks on like the fact that just him saying our Father blew everybody's mind out of the water. You're referencing God as Father? What? So like our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. He's teaching them like, and you can see the disciples taking out their, their iPhones or Androids or notebooks and writing it down. Okay, our Father, oh, that's so good. Yeah, on earth, as it, oh, that's so good. Give us a stay. Oh, yeah, I'm hungry. Uh, yeah, I got this. And we got to forgive. We got to forgive those guys. Okay, got it. He said, so when they, when they would take this prayer, you can see them going, all right, here's what I'm going to do. And I've been, you know, been able to be chaplains over football teams and over different groups. And I feel Jesus is such an incredible teacher that the prayer, the way that he taught us to pray, even lost people know this scripture. Like he was such an intense teacher, so amazing, that even people that don't know Jesus know this prayer. There are football teams that are about to start in the NFL, and they're not, some of those players aren't even Christian, but they're gonna repeat that prayer. I say glory to God. Come on now, right? So here's, what I'm, here's my point, in this particular prayer, he's teaching us to pray, and he's, think of it as a teacher or a professor or training, teaching the disciples, and they're sitting there taking notes. Then, and I'm kind of going fast through this now, then comes John 17. This is called the high priestly prayer. To put it in context, Jesus is not too far away from being crucified. He's preparing everything in his life, preparing his, the structure of the way he's living, living, 
And then when he prays this, it felt different. It hit different than the first prayer that I just shared with you. Because now he's not teaching the disciples. Now he's doing it. Now he's doing the very thing. In fact, it's my, I, I believe that as the times, you know, you, the times are pretty crazy. Would you agree with me? Times are pretty wild out there. I believe that John 17, there's going to be such revelation in the church and with believers because this particular prayer can teach us so much about the heart of Jesus and the Father. And so the Bible says in John 17, Jesus looked up. Yeah, I like that. I always like to make fun of us Christians because when we say it's time to pray, we always bow our heads and make that stern prayer face. You know, let's pray. What is it about us when we pray? If you do that, that's fine. It's totally okay. But when Jesus knows the time, it says he looks up and begins to pray. And this one just hit a little different. Then it was like, John, John, John the beloved, right? Come over here. You, we got to write this down. He's not teaching us. Now he's doing the very thing he taught us earlier. Like he's, it's like he's in the middle of this prayer. Write this stuff down. And as he is praying, they're like in this moment of holiness. Because now they're not in the classroom. Now they're in the presence. Now as Jesus is praying, they're, it's almost like the burning bush idea in the Old Testament with Moses. They were like, and they're writing this stuff down like, what? And John 17 is such an amazing prayer. That's where we get like where Jesus prays that we be one. Who's ever heard that scripture? That we may be one as, as, as the Father is one with the with the son, they just, they're, he's writing this stuff down. And then I take a moment to think about what is God thinking when Jesus is praying John 17. I, as you read that, I want to encourage you to read it this chapter and meditate on this chapter. As Jesus is praying, the father is listening to the son. What could be on the father's heart as he is hearing the prayers Jesus is praying? I, I'm a father, I've got two kids, I love my children, it's funny, I've never met them before they were born, yet when they were born, I was totally in love with them. Are you, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I've never spoken to my kids before they were born, and the day they were born, it was like, yeah, you're mine. I'm, I would give my life for you. J Jesus is talking to the father, and if you're a parent, you know that when your kids do the right thing, it just like makes you smile. Like when your kids on their own do the right thing, you're like, oh. Like when little Johnny at five actually shares his toys. And when, you know, you know, like when your kids are four and five, they don't share nothing, man. You gotta sing songs to them, make it fun. Hey, if we all share and stuff. And then one day your kid shares and your parent, you think like he just won the election or something. You're like, oh my God, he shared the Tonka truck. Because it's something that he did, it brings joy to you. When my, when my, my kid, you know, every, kid, every parent tries to find creative ways for their kids to eat healthy, right? And I remember one day, my wife's making different meals in different ways, and we, she, we went to Costco. You know how in Costco everything's bigger, right? And she brought some Brussels sprouts, and I'm going, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Brussels sprouts for lunch or for dinner. And I, I just was preparing myself for the fight. You better eat that. It's good for you. It's got vitamins in it and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm preparing the whole talk. And she made it in kind of roasted way or whatever. And the food comes out and my kids ate it. And they're like, oh, I like this. 
Well, what happened in my heart when I knew they liked those Brussels sprouts? I left and got two more bags from Costco. In other words, it brought such joy to my heart that I gave them more of the thing I know that's good for them and that they enjoyed. And so as God is listening to this prayer, I can see God go, yes, Jesus. This prayer that you're praying to me as you're talking to me, yes, you are going to get what you are praying for. You've been so faithful to everything I've ever asked you to do. Jesus says, I don't do anything unless the Father does it first. God is saying, you have watched me. You know my will. You are going to get it, son. What do you want? Whatever's in your heart, I will give you the desire of your heart. The Father's heart right now, in this moment in time, it is targeted upon Jesus to say, you will receive the entirety of this prayer. You've not just been faithful in the sense, like, you know how we talk about, like, someone's been faithful because we're thinking about the last three months of their life? But in the wholeness, we're pretty unfaithful people. We need, we, we got to work to get up to go to church sometimes. Come on, someone say amen. We got to work to, to go to that thing that we signed up for. Jesus never did that. He showed up every single area in every single moment where God wanted him to go. To the point that when he, he's going to get his life, he's still glorifying the Father. Then he hung on that cross. He's saying, God, this is what you want. And so Jesus, or God the Father, is saying, Jesus, you will receive this prayer. Whatever you want, son, I will give it to you. I will give you the desires of your heart. And you see this eternal kind of like roadmap of Jesus speaking to God and God hearing Jesus and the disciples listening to this. Can you believe what he's praying? Now, out of just the nature of human beings, if I, I am not Jesus and I'm far from being like him, that's why I need his grace. But I have found myself sometimes praying some of the silliest prayers compared to this prayer. Going to God about the desires of my heart and I'm stressing myself over things that are just meaningless sometimes. Have you ever found yourself in this place? Where should we go eat Jesus? And it's not that he doesn't care, but I, I find my heart sometimes getting stirred or stressed over things that are like, doesn't compare to eternity. Talking about, and, and it was, I love about God is that God likes, he doesn't just love you, he likes you. He's like, yeah, I'll help you find a parking spot, that's fine. That's cool, I'll, I'll help you do that. Thank you, God, thank you. But what's being prayed in here is eternity speaking to eternity. Jesus, the Son, eternity, is speaking to the Father, eternity. So the language is going back and forth here comes from eternity, the desire of eternity. Man, I don't think you get this. I read John 17 and I, I just think to myself, God, Lee, if I could just align my heart to what, here John 17 too says, since you have, this is Jesus, since you have given him, given Jesus authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. God is saying, hey, you are the gateway Everyone will come through me, through you. That's how much I love you, Jesus. That's how much I, I value you, my son. What do you want? 
what do you want? Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for the community. He prays for the world. And then, like, God, you can just hear his, you can just almost sense his heart. Just uh, uh, Hebrew says that he's consuming fire, um, uh, consuming fire of what? Consuming fire of love. Like the Old Testament, he says that I am a jealous God, meaning he wants all of him to be in all of you. It's just amazing. And at the very end, here's the verse I want to land on. I want you to write down John 17, 24, because this is the moment in which God is, Jesus is saying, I'm doing all this for you because I love you, Father. I'm praying for all of these people. And at the very end, Jesus says the word that I'm talking about. Jesus says, Father, this is at the very end of the script, the very end of the prayer, at the very end, Father, I desire. Like, he's saying, this is what's burning in my heart, God. Now that you've given me attention and you're allowing me space to ask for what I want, here's what I desire. Have you ever asked, like, when, when, like, when my kids were little and it was like Christmas, like, it did, like I went anywhere to buy Christmas gifts because they didn't care about the brand. They didn't care where it came from. They just brought the, the new toy. It was fine. I would just, but as my, my kids have gotten older, their gifts have gotten more expensive. A parent can relate to that. Like you, you, I, you, how much of them shoes? No, bro. I don't think so. But Jesus ends his prayer saying, Father, I desire that they, he's speaking about you, the people, I desire that they whom you have given to me may be with me where I am. This is what Jesus wants. Think, like this is what he wants. You ever felt alone in life? And someone's ever said, Jesus wants to be with you, but they didn't know where in scripture it was. It's right here. I, I, that may be with me where I am. And then he says, I want them to see the glory that you've given me. God, I, I want them to see this glory. You get. I want them to see it. And then number three, because you've loved me before the foundations of the world, he wants us to experience the love of God. So let me break these three things down real quick, and then we're going to pray, and I want to invite you into this prayer, okay? First thing, Jesus wants us to be with him. Now, I could break this down how there is no way, there's no way in our efforts, in our money, in our generosity, we could ever be near God. Are, are we in agreement with this? There's no amount of money you can give, no amount of celebrity or, or, or influence you could ever have, no matter how many followers you got on whatever social media platform you have. It can never give you entrance into the presence of God, period. He's too perfect. He's too glorious. He's too magnificent. His light is so bright, it would blind us and kill us, and we would explode at the same time. We would be erased from existence as if we've never been born again or born at all if we got before presence of God in our own strength. We wouldn't even be able to get to the, the same galaxy to where God is. I've, have I, have I called, have I painted a picture of how far we are, and then Jesus says, no, I want them to be where I am. And where's Jesus? With the Father. So Jesus, like, the only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And so when he says, I want them to be with, with me, I want them to be with me, to be with you, he's speaking of two things. Number one, the one day, I mean, you guys realize there is going to be a one day in the future. Can, I, can we agree to this? 
Sometimes we think about the future of Christ's return or even us being in heaven, almost like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Like, yeah, some fantasy. No, this will happen one day. Jesus is saying, I, I want them to be with me so bad that after they've lived their life, for those who've accepted Christ, I want them here with me. Here, I want them here. Well, what does that do for us today? He also wants us to be in his presence today. So there's a future promise and a now reality. He wants, he wants us right now to be near to him. And when we're near to Jesus, we're near to the Father's desire. Can someone say amen to this? Number two, I'm, I'm moving through this pretty quick. He says he wants to reveal his glory to us. I grew up in the church, okay. I, I, um, my, my, I had a really, really difficult upbringing, but I, my, one thing my mom did, she got us to church. We were that family that when the doors were open, we were there. We helped, I've been to every kind of church service you can think of, okay. And I would hear this word glory over and over, and I struggled with this thing where I remember speaking to a, 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 a group of men who were being trans, or transitioning out of prison, and I'm, I was probably like 26, 27 years old, and I'm preaching this message, and in the middle of my message, this man goes, hey, what have you ever done that was bad? And it just caught me red-handed, and I began to think about my life. Well, I, did, I, I, I couldn't say I've done this and I've done that, and I had this hard time because he wanted to see if he could relate to me. It wasn't until later where I was like, God, like, I need, I need revelation on this. And God, like, in prayer, began to, I began to really look at the scriptures. And it's like, it's not about what I've done or the amount of sin I've done or haven't done. I was on a one-way ticket to hell without Jesus. Didn't matter if I just lied once in my life or 15 times. Without Christ, there is a place reserved for those who don't have Christ. But on the other side, I heard this word glory all the time, where God says, I want to show you the glory I'm going to give my son. I want you to see it. If you've ever been looking forward towards a concert or something and you've been blown away, what we will see in that glorious day cannot compare to anything we've ever seen here. I was in, by the grace of God, I was in Hawaii when I got married and we went to this place called Black Sand Beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in the, all the world. The, the volcanic activity made all the sand turn black. It was rich, and I'm just sitting there going, wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. About after 35 to 40 minutes, I was like, I'm hungry. I gotta go. I'm looking at my wife, my wife goes, are you, are you what? I wanna try one of those like fish Maui sandwiches I saw coming in. And she goes, do you realize what we're standing? We may never come back. And here's the thing about the beauty and the glory of God. There is nothing else like him. To see God's glory, to behold his glory, is to be fascinated for eternity. There is no boredom in God's environment. And Jesus says, I want them to see it. You're part of the party. I want you to come and experience this. Last but not least, he says that he wants us to experience God's eternal love. Jesus, like, I love my wife. We are in love with each other. And our, 
our marriage is like anybody else's. There's ups and downs and things we had to work, but we are in love with each other. We've had to choose sometimes to love each other, and sometimes we feel like we're in love, all right? But this love that God is talking about is not a love that was created. It was a love from forever, that existed in forever. And now he's saying, Jesus is saying, I want this jealous, fiery love that you have towards me, the son. I want them to experience it. Could you imagine living life with the revelation of eternal love being targeted to you all the time? Could you, could we even grasp that? Somebody one time said, Rolando, I thought jealousy was a bad thing. Well, yeah, actually it is a bad thing. And here's why it's a bad thing for us. Because when I'm jealous over you, it's because you have something that I want. Come on, we've all been jealous before. Have you been, I mean, come on, church people are some of the greatest actors of all time. <laughs> Congratulations, brother, that's fantastic. You got promoted so quickly. Oh. Well, I'm, you know, I'm good. That's so good. Inside you're like, Lord, help me. That guy just walked in and he was given the promotion. I've been here for 10 years. Jealousy in human context is wrong because we compare with what we have with each other. So if you were to say, why is jealousy with God good? Who is like our God? Who is like him? Isaiah says, who can give God counsel? Who can tell him what to do? Who out there in eternity can God look at and go, this guy's even in the same sphere? No one. And God says, Jesus says, my desire, my desire is that you and I would experience this love, live in it. So what do you do with this information? Here's what I'm going to challenge every person to do. It's John 17, it's at the very, very end. These three things, John 17, 24. I think enough. If you ever, has anybody ever told you to go pray and then you pray for all the things that you need and you run out of things to pray? Have you been there before? I have. You come to God and go, God, I need this, I gotta have that, I need this, and then you kind of run out of things to pray pretty quickly. I want to challenge you to take this verse right here, John 17, 24, to your prayer. Pray for the things that you need. God wants to help you. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to do those things. He's a good God. Then you pray this. There's no greater prayer you could ever pray. There's no greater words you could ever say to God than the words his son, eternity, said to the Father, eternity. Meditate in this in prayer for a moment and say, I would take your Jesus. You want to show me, you want to share the glory God has given to you. Jesus, you want me to be where you are? And just sit in that. God, you want, you want to, you want me to experience the love that God has towards you? And I'm going to tell you your prayer will go to another level. Because at the moment, listen, and I'll finish with this, when the Father God starts hearing his son's prayer through his other son's prayer, or through his daughter's prayer, God says, yes, you're going to get it too. You will receive what my son Jesus prayed for, because that's the greatest prayer that will have the fullness of answer to ever be and ever was. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you to close your eyes. We're going to close. <clears throat>
Father, I'm so honored to be standing here sharing in this church. Every single person here or there, you have a great desire for. Jesus, you prayed in John 17, 24. You wanted us to be where you are. You've given us the cross. Jesus, you want us to experience the glory that the Father has given to you. And Jesus, you want us to experience the love that you experienced with the Father. So with every eye closed and head bowed for a moment, I'm not sure where you are in life. I'm not sure what you're struggling with. I'm not sure where your heart is. The Holy Spirit can do a thousand things in 30 seconds. A thousand things in 30 seconds. You are valuable to God. As I shared this morning, if maybe there's something in your heart that says, you, you, you can't do this, that's not right and that's not true. God's truth is forever truth. He says, you, you can receive the answer to this prayer. And so Lord, you see every person in the room, wherever we are in life, if one of you or many of you need to surrender to Jesus for a moment, even as I'm praying, you may feel that like, oh, I got this sin in my life right there. Where you're at, just say, Jesus, I repent of this. I turn of this sin. I turn away from these false desires. I want to experience biblical true desire. God, make, awaken that in our hearts. Awaken that in our minds. That this would be the beginning for many, for all of us, of the most radical prayer life we could ever live. To see God's answers being released in this day like never before. In the matchless name of Jesus. And church, let me hear you say amen. Amen, amen.